0: All right, church, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Excellent. Oh, man, I love, we got a responsive church family today. I love it. Will you guys stand with me? God is so good, isn't he? Oh, man. Hallelujah. Did I hear it all the time? All the time? Amen. God is good. I love it. So I've just been feeling in my heart this year is just a year of fruit, A year of fruit for all that planting and watering that we have done in the spiritual realm. That God is really moving and producing fruit this year. And I really, I see it in our own life. I see it in how he has blessed certain things that we put our hands to. And stuff that we've been working on for year after year. He's just beginning to open up. And the floodgates of heaven are opening up. So I want to come before him this morning with that heart of worship. Worshiping him for he is the one who has the power. He is the one who is able. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who is good. He is the one who redeems, amen? He is the one who restores. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus this morning. I want to read a call to worship out of Philippians 2. I'm going to start in verse 5. It says this, Let this mind be in you, Therefore, because of Jesus, because of what he did, his side, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue Church, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Father, we come before you. We lift you up, Jesus. We confess with our mouths on bended knee, you are the King. You are worthy of our praise and of our honor, Father. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness for your power to restore, to renew. And we thank you for your love for us today. And so as in that regard, we come before you in worship. We come before you in worship. And we give our hearts to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Let's worship this morning.
1: As we sing this song, I imagine all of hell just screaming with their hands over their ears. It's just tormenting them. When we stand, there's so much power in the chorus of this song because we stand with arms open and we affirm the character of God. God in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of the fight. And there's some real battles going on in this room. When you stand in the valley of the shadow of death and you raise your hands and you affirm the character of God, you push the enemy back so far in torment. I was ministering to someone at some point in some time in the past, Could have been this week, I don't know. But I said to them, Adam and Eve lived in perfection. They had the perfect environment. There was no stress. They had the perfect union with one another. They walked in the cool of the evening with God Himself. And it was in this perfect environment. And there was no flaw in them, there was no flaw. In Adam and Eve and it was this environment that the enemy came and he said did God really say in whatever you're facing in every situation he comes to steal and to kill and destroy and your finances your family your health those he'll come after those but his what he wants is he wants to steal from you your faith your trust and your knowledge of the character of the god who loves you that is what he wants that's what he wants if you are happily married and thriving in this world but full of doubts about god he will leave you alone he doesn't care if you have a good marriage or if you're prosperous he is after your view of the goodness of god he's after he's after that relationship and so when we stand and we sing, an affirmation of who God is. So many times I've stood there in the midst of such a battle, questioning God: Do I suck? Do you hate me? I've got to be failing. This is not. Uh, this is not okay. I get it. You love me, but I, I've got to be out of the bounds now. We would play this song, and it's just like no. And I would just end up yelling. I'm not even singing anymore because it's a fight. It's a weapon. It's like a battle cry. We could be singing, you are good. We could say, you are faithful. God, you are able. There is nothing you cannot do. Nothing is impossible with you, God. There is no lack, and I will lack no good thing, because I am hidden in Christ Jesus. It's a battle cry. It's a battle cry. And it pushes back the enemy. So church, there is no condemnation in the battle because if Eve, who had all that perfection, was tempted and there was no flaw in her, it speaks to the skillfulness of the enemy. I'm not giving him props. I'm just telling you what is real. He was like the second most being in all of creation. Like when he was created, he was not created like a subpar being. Skillful. And so our weapon is the word and the truth. And when we stand in it and we declare it, he runs in torment. He covers his ears. There's nothing he can do when a church will stand on the word and be unmovable into who the character, of, the character of God is unmovable and unshakable. So we're gonna come to the communion table this morning and we're gonna taste and see that God is good. We're gonna partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. We're gonna receive a supernatural impartation of grace. Um, I dismiss you to come up. The center plate is gluten-free, and you can get your elements and circle back around. And Pastor Andy is going to come up and lead us in communion this morning.
2: Hallelujah. The Lord is good. He is good. His goodness leads us to repentance. I was thinking this morning, I was with the Lord and... Sometimes, you know, you want to go through your day and feel like, man, I lived the perfect day. You know, like I was with Jesus all day and my mind was always fixed on Him. I didn't sin at all. And the Lord reminded me, yeah, perfection is... uh, Your perfection means nothing. And He said... He said, it's my goodness that I continually remind you throughout your day, hey, hey, Andrew, nudge, nudge, come back to me. Uh, Because we can't. We can't live our lives righteously apart from him. There's nothing that we can do apart from him. It's all through him. And he is good. Um, I wanted to encourage us this morning with a passage from 1 Peter. It says, We were ransomed by his blood. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7. He says, you were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus is the price. And it is the highest price that one could ever value anything at. It's not something that you could put a price on. You were bought at that price. So he considers you and me, that valuable, that he would die for us and ransom his life for us because he loved us so much. You know, he was desperate for us. He didn't want us to go to hell. He desired that none should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So you and I were bought at a price, and the Lord just wants you to know that you are his. He says, you are mine. You belong to me. Everybody just say that in your own heart right now. The Lord is saying, you are mine. I belong to him. I belong to Jesus. I am the father's son. I am the father's daughter. He says, you are mine. You are mine. Take a moment and just meditate on that what he's done for us, for you. Repent of any sins you need to. Just take a couple minutes here and then we'll come back and we'll partake together. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. We thank you so much for wanting us. Thank you for wanting to be our father. Thank you for desiring us because you are good. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. You are good. Thank you for loving us and giving us your son. We surrender our hearts to you right now before we partake, Lord. We give you our lives, our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our desires, Lord. We lay down our will, our agendas, all of our plans. We set everything aside to focus on you, Jesus on your ransomed ransoming power of saving our lives with your blood having your body be broken for us thank you so much paul says in 1st corinthians 11 for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me let us drink we thank you jesus we thank you we praise you We're going to continue to worship the Lord with another song, so feel free to stand. Uh, Come to the altar if you'd like. The altar is open, and let's worship him together.
1: The Lord is saying that he sees you this morning, and that there are some of you who just feel a call and feel a draw um, to, to be a part of the kingdom, and we're all called to be a part of the kingdom and to do kingdom work, and um, I just had a sense that Some of you have felt hidden or feel hidden um, and anxious and wondering. And I felt like the Lord was saying that he comes to people who are faithful in the hidden places. Who in the hidden places have a heart consumed with being faithful to their God. A heart consumed with glorifying their God in heaven In the hidden places. That the work of their hands in the hidden places would be pleasing to the only one who can see it. And that when he finds those hearts, he begins to train them in the hidden places. And he showed me David in the field with the sheep. And David learned the practice of crying out to the Father, and knowing the Father, and just being in his presence of worshiping, when no one else, no one saw that. And the Lord trained him up in courage, and in power, and in might to defeat the lion and the bear, to hone his skill at protecting sheep. And David did not have one eye on a throne. The throne wasn't even a thought in his mind. The throne didn't even It just didn't, it wasn't even a thought. And he certainly wasn't the most revered in his family, but he was content to do with excellence and to do well what was in front of him in the hidden places, in the presence, the one on one with his father. And years and years and years. So there's an encouragement there for you today do not press. Do not drive toward some significant work that you feel is yours. But sit in the hidden places and trust in the God who made you and the timing that he has for you. He sees you this morning, and it's in his time that his glory will be revealed in you and not before to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Thank
0: you. There was a word someone had right at the end of worship, and it was a simple sentence. It was the Lord wants us to have confidence in Him and confidence that He hears our prayers. And as that person said that to me, I was reminded of the scripture I wanted to close out this time of worship, which goes right along with what you were just saying. It's out of Psalm 18. It says this I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Father, we just thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you that you are so good and so faithful, so trustworthy. Our confidence is in you and in you alone. Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. You see our hearts. You see what's done in silence and behind the scenes, Lord. And we trust you this morning. Have your way. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: All right, church, we're going to just take a couple minutes to greet one another. Um, the nursery is DIY today. It is fifth Sunday, so it is open, parents. If you have a child age zero to three, it's a beautiful space in there. Um, the, there's a speaker so you can hear the service. The family room is also open. Uh, Little's Ministry, ages four, five, and six, is staffed. So if you have a four, five, or six-year-old, they do have class. Um, it's out these doors and to the right. Uh, ECF Kids, you know Kid Corner, you can go get your bags. If you're a guest here this morning, we welcome you. If you have kids, you can meet me over at Kids Corner, and I'll uh, I'll get you set up for the rest of service. Uh, if you brought your tithes and offerings today to, to sow seed uh, into the kingdom, then those buckets are up here. You can bring those up during the break. If you have a testimony, a praise report, a prayer request, people have been using the connection cards. Uh, and it's a blessing. A testimony is meant to be shared uh it's the card on the back of the seat it's for you to give us information um if you want us to send you emails or put you on an email list if it's your first time it's nice for us to know your name and that you were here we send one welcome email that's about all um but we do know that you were here we send like a greeting like hey this is us email um and that's great. But those cards, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, they're confidential. Like four people have get eyes on those cards. If you mark it confidential, then even maybe less than four will see it. Um, so it's a great place to connect and to the, the most direct way <laughs> to, get, to get to us. And we love to pray for you guys. We love to hear those testimonies. So I think that's all. Yeah? Did I do it all? All right. Um, let's greet one another. We'll come back up in about five to eight minutes. All right, church family, a couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, The first announcement I have is February 3rd. I never know what the date is. I know this is the fifth Sunday, so it's like the end of January. So February 3rd is coming up. It's this, is February 3rd this Friday? It's this Friday. Um, this Friday from 630 to 8, Winterfest. I mean, it's a little crazy here. I think they have like big bounce things set up here and there's face painting and upstairs, there's just kids running everywhere, balloon animals. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, and if you know someone who's looking for a great school, if uh, if you go to the school, come on out. It's It's a really great Um, event where you really do get a sense of the LCA family. You get a sense of the community, the school community that you become a part of, and it is a really great time. So that is this week um, on Friday. Worship and prayer is February 1st, which would be this Wednesday from 630 to 8 in the sanctuary. Sydney leads us in a time of worship and prayer. You can come when you can come and you can leave anytime. It's, It's a very fluid thing. It is not a service that starts and ends, and you have to come at the beginning and leave at the end. So, come and worship and pray. That's this Wednesday. And finally, the February New Testament reading plan bookmarks are on the back table. I haven't gotten mine. I'm excited to see what color it is. I think they're so pretty. What color is it? It's blue. Okay. Um, I love mine. I don't follow it because I'm not a box checker. I mean, I started it. I got to Luke 7, and some days I can only read like three verses, and the Holy Spirit just begins to talk to me. And then i gotta do, I got to go. So he's moving me slowly through it. But I, I enjoy it. So pick that up. Read through the Bible with us. That's all.
0: We're going to continue to worship the Lord. Uh, praying over our giving here this morning. I have a uh, scripture I want to read uh, regarding offering out of Luke 16. And it says this, Luke 16, 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And the NIV, which I don't normally look up, but the NIV says this, whoever can be, it's not up there, but just listen to this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. And man, when I was as part of our reading is Luke 16. So we're right reading in the New Testament. On you'll see on your bookmark we're in Luke, and I think we move to Acts next as we're going through the New Testament. But Luke, say it just jumped out at me. It was just like, whoa, do I really trust the Lord? That's the question we all have to ask. Do I really trust the Lord? Do I trust him to honor him and to give back the 10% to do the commands that he has said to go do? Do I trust him? And then, in turn, am I trustworthy to him? And it was like, man, that is like a heavy thing. Like I sat on that for a while. Like you said, you start reading something and it just sat there. I was like, oof. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be also trusted with much. So I just, the Lord, just want to encourage you today. Look, Look, God loves a cheerful giver. He's not calculating percentages out there, and if you only gave 9%, he's just like, mm, 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 it ain't gonna work for you. You were tithing off the net. I think it should be the gross. And so you are really missing it. You know, this God doesn't work, He doesn't talk that way. That's condemnation. The Lord said He He out of a cheerful heart, He loves. He loves givers out of a cheerful heart. So I, I just want you to seek the Lord. Every person I've ever talked to said, so, you know, seek the Lord and see what He wants to give. It always comes back more than 10%. So go figure that. But here's here's what I know that the Lord says He wants, He is trustworthy. He is good, he is trustworthy. And giving is just an indication that we trust him with our finances. We trust him in this area of our life. And that's what I wanna just trust him more and more and more this year, amen? I wanna pray more and worry less and trust him more. Maybe that's the three things I'm working on. Pray more, worry less, trust him more. Can we do that this year? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. This whole service has been about your goodness, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we trust you. Lord, help us to continue to grow in that trust, Father God. We just want to honor you with our finances, with our lives, with every area, Father. And so, Lord, we just pray a blessing over every gift, every giver this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of multiplication, and that you take things further above and beyond than we could ever ask or imagine. And Father, as we get into your word today, Lord, that you would just open our ears, open our eyes to see. Father God, things in your word that can really transform our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and as every Sunday has gone so far during this series, I promise you I will get there, but I have a little bit of an introduction I'd like to talk about first before we get into that, and we've been doing a series for several months now, and I keep asking the Lord. When do you want me to stop? When do you want me to stop? And he keeps saying, not yet. So this believer's authority, you may be so tired of seeing the definition of the believer's authority on the screen behind me, and you come come to church, oh, Lord... I pray Pastor Jason is not doing the believer's authority again. Well, guess what? I'm sorry. I listen to what the Lord tells me to preach on, and he's saying to continue to do it, so I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to go do, which means we haven't got it yet. Even me, right? It means we haven't fully got the concept of the believer's authority and what it means in our life and in every area of our life. Until we get it, I don't want to move on. I don't want that just to be, oh, you remember that really good message series we did, like, somewhere at the end of 2022? I don't, it's like the believers, I don't really remember. I want this to be so ingrained in us and in this church and this church family that you walk around knowing what the believer's authority is, what it means, how to use it, how to participate with it every area and aspect of it, and in your life, you want you know what? This is something I can take the believer's authority over and begin to pray the scriptures and the verses and the prayers that you've heard us say over and over and over during the series. So am I done with this series yet? No. I know I have at least one more week next week. And then we'll see. I'm going to ask the Lord what we have. We do have a, actually it's not an announcement yet, we have Reverend Jeremy Gall coming on February 12th, so not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, him and uh, his, uh, Jocelyn, Reverend Jocelyn Gall, they will be here, and they're going to share on, on February 12th, which is also the Super Bowl. Yeah, I believe it's the Super Bowl. I'm kidding. Of course I know it's the Super Bowl. I'm a huge football fan. In fact, I'm surprised I'm not holding my football right now, right? So Go Eagles. Okay, I, where's Dawn? I, I See, Dawn, she's a 49ers fan, so she's not giving me a, any props for that. And then in the AFC, I'm feeling maybe like Kansas City. Okay, we're closer to Ohio, so you guys are being Cincinnati fans. Okay, all right. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. I want, in Mark 16, and you don't have to turn, I have this up on the screen. This has been like kind of the foundational scripture for this series that we've been talking about. It's the Great Commission as written by Mark the Apostle Mark, and and I want to just read it again just so we have a baseline. It says this, and he said to them, now he's writing what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, 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 we have to believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said that he did, and that we believe he is that person. He is the one who came As a man, fully God, fully man, died on the cross, rose from the grave. And I tell you what, when you invite Jesus into your life, and you invite Jesus into situations in your life, it transforms everything. And it's not always the way you want it to be transformed. Come on, church, right? You're just like, man, I want to invite Jesus into the situation so that everything goes exactly as I want it to go. Mm, Jesus, I invite you in. As long as, right, and then you give the list of things, as long as it's not too painful, doesn't take too long, isn't too complicated, doesn't dig too deep into my life, doesn't have any emotions involved in it at all, right? And we have this list of things, but truly what he does want to be invited in, he wants to transform us. And that's when someone who believes we, we, we need to seek that, inviting him in. And is baptized, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Ooh, the gospel message right there. Heavy, amazing, powerful gospel. Verse 17. So you're a believer, and then it says, these signs will follow those that believe. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe God, who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do, these are the signs that are going to follow you around. Everywhere that you go, there should be these signs following believers, And I keep asking myself, like reflection in the mirror, do these four or five signs that we're going to just walk through here in just a second, are they following me around? Is it something that's a regular occurrence in my life? Because this is what Jesus says, is those who believe in my name, these things will happen around our lives. And the reason I believe God has not taken us off of this particular topic is because the importance of this is growing day by day by day. The importance of understanding the authority that we have in Jesus and understanding our identity in Jesus. Maybe that's, the next, maybe that's the next message series that we do. But understanding these things is, is becoming, I'm telling you, day after day more and more critical. Because day after day we're getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus' return. And if you read the end of the book... As we get closer and closer and closer to Jesus' return, everything isn't warm and fuzzy all day, every day. There are things that, that will occur, there are storms, there are waves, there are challenges, there are issues, there's persecution, there's all this stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, why? all this has, It has to come for Jesus to come, but... He gives us authority and power to navigate and to walk through these things supernaturally more than anybody else would be able to do if they don't have Jesus. It's like there's a game plan, a roadmap that says here, this believer's authority, and oh yeah, by the way, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, which will whisper to you and tell you, turn left, turn right, go here, buy this, don't do that. Like, we have something supernaturally that can guide us through every single day and help us through the times that are in today, and tomorrow, and into the future. These things will follow those who believe in my name, the key. Not your sign, not what you did, not your power, not your strength, not your ability, not your wit, not your fancy words, not your eloquent speech, not your Facebook post, not your social media debate, no, in the name of Jesus, his power, his authority, these things will happen. In my name, they will cast out demons. Do we think that, like, demons just stop being active on this earth? No. This is for real. This is real stuff. And I'm not going through all that. We've already done this whole series. You can go back and listen to the several weeks we talked about what that looks like, how does that work, and how do we actually do it. They will speak with new tongues... Praise God. I need my tongue renewed every day. (laughs) Amen? Life and death and the power of the tongue. We will speak supernaturally with new tongues, not only in our earthly language, but in a heavenly language. We walk through that. These are signs. They're signs to who? Us, but also to unbelievers. This is part of the gospel message. So the reason these signs follow us is not just so we can navigate life a little bit easier, so that we can arrest the attention of the unbeliever. I mean, when we are able to supernaturally walk through something or cast out a demon or lay hands on the sick and they recover, how does someone not take notice to that? Because they, Jesus and what he did were pointing people to Jesus. Verse 18, they will take up serpents, they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. A supernatural covering and protection by the Lord. And they will lay hands on the sick and they what? Will recover. And we did that last week. And so just as a quick summary, I don't have this up, but signs, what are they? Signs are used to notify people in a direction to go. So these signs that follow us as believers are indicators pointing those who don't know Jesus to Jesus. So this believer is anyone who holds a strong and unwavering belief in the truth of something. This is what a believer is. And I encourage, I challenge you to say, do I truly believe? Do I believe that these signs are even going to follow me? Should they follow me? Where is your heart? God will meet you right where you're at. Where is your heart on these things? Do you truly believe? Do you believe in Jesus? First and foremost, this is where it all stems from. And then authority is a delegated power. So it comes from God to us. It's delegated to us, and it's the right to command and enforce obedience. And the reason why this whole series had started was because I kept praying for something and nothing would happen. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you continue to pray for this specific thing which I've already given you authority over. And I was like, wait, what? Look, there's nothing wrong with praying, and we need to pray. We understand the power of prayer, and he wants to hear our heart, and we want to cry out to him. Even if it's not theologically accurate, I don't care. I don't care. If someone says something theologically incorrect during a prayer, I don't, time out. Excuse me. You are praying to Jesus, but really you should be praying to God in the name of Jesus because he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's our intercessor. and If you think theologically the way the right hand works and the power structure at a table, you know, the right, come on, what are you, no, someone's heart is crying out, Jesus, I need you, I want you, help me in this situation, yeah? Come on, guys, this is what we want. We want to cry out to Jesus. He gives us this authority to command and enforce obedience. So I'm not saying don't pray about stuff. but I'm saying is there are scriptures and verses that we can stand on and we can take authority over the list of things that just said. We have authority over demons. The Bible says we have authority over all the power of the enemy. You're like, well, Pastor Jason, I don't know what to do. Just start singing that song we sang this morning. Yeah? He is good. He is good. God is good. And as Pastor Liz said... The enemy goes running, holding his ears, because he can't stand that we are declaring and affirming who God is, and his faithfulness, and his goodness, and the character of God. We need to understand the character of God, and who he really is, not what he can do for us. Sid, whatever you were saying, man, that was good. She had that kind of prophetic song, it's not only what you do, but it's who you are. It was something like that. It was better than what I'm saying, probably. Probably. That's, what it, that's the essence of it. It's not just what you do or what you can do, but it's who he is. The fundamental truth of who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to get a, our heads wrapped around that and understand that deeply. Without authority, you have no right to use power. So those who don't believe and don't have the authority delegated to them, you have no right to use the power. And then without power, that's actually from God, our authority is meaningless. We have no ability or strength in our own to produce anything. We, we sing that song, like, it, the breath in our lungs. Everybody take a breath for a second. Only because God is sovereign and loves us and cares for us and allows us to breathe a breath right now is we're breathing. Thank you, Lord, for breath. It's meaningless without him. We have no ability or strength in our own to produce anything. Okay, Matthew 18. And here's why I want to talk about this, is because I want to talk about this binding and loosening. Binding and loosening. And so we talk about a lot as a church, we like to bind things and loose things, and it's even part of the prayer that I've been doing at the end of every service during the Believer's Authority. But I, when I read it again... I want to put it in the context in which it is. I don't want to just pull this scripture out and be like, hmm, here's a great scripture I can use for anything all the time whenever I want and just use it. I want it to understand and look at the context of binding and loosening. And it's in Matthew 18, and I want to start in verse 15. I'm going to read it and then I'll stop and I'll make some comments uh, as we go through. It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. So I'm just beginning to talk, we're we're going to talk about binding and loosing. You're like, Pastor Jason, what on earth are you talking about? We're talking about offenses? We're talking about going to somebody and having some kind of reconciliation? But I thought we were talking about binding and loosing. Well, we're going to get there. But we have to understand there is power, church, in unity. And this is why this verse is put right in between all these other verses. So this whole verse says, basically, if someone sins against you, go and talk to them. Like, actually go and talk to them. No gossip, no judgment, no offense, no anger. Hard to do. I get it. Go and check it out. Go look at the situation and seek unity. God in his kingdom, the kingdom of God. We talk about the kingdom of God. What he wants so much is he wants us to have faith, he wants us to believe, but he is desperate for us to be in unity with each other. How all these denominations started and all this other stuff happened, you know, I, we're not going to go through the history lesson on how it all happened, but the splits in the church. What he truly wants is unity, and why God wants unity, because he knows that there is power, this is how he set it up, There is power in unity. So if there's an offense, if there's something that happened, if a brother sinned against you, the very first thing we say, well, we're going to go do the Matthew 18 process, is because, why? Because, yeah, he wants us to reconcile with each other, because when we reconcile with each other, there's power in the unity amongst believers. Verse 16. But if he will not hear... Take with you one or two more. And then he says why? That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And I just stopped there. I was like, wow. We've talked about the power of our words. So what's that saying is when two or three or more are in agreement with something, there is power in it. Which means if there is disunity, or there is something that has severed something, the power of unity is unable to move forward and into that situation. It says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So here's one of the key points for this morning. There is power, not in numbers, but in unity. There is power in, it says two or three. God's not like, well, you know, you got to gather about 75 or so to be in complete unity here in order for, like, if, if I asked all of us here, this entire congregation, however many is here today, 100 people or so, whatever it is, and say, hey, guys, I want us all to be in complete unity about who's going to win the football game tonight. We wouldn't be able to do it, right? We'd be, we'd be, we'd be here for the rest. We'd miss the game because we'd be in some crazy debate All afternoon, about who we think is going to win and why Jalen Hurts is better than this or whatever, right? It's not going to prosper us at all. But the Bible clearly says that it's two. Two or three together, there is power in it. So it's not in the numbers. It's not the world says, you know, bigger is better, right? Bigger is better in a lot of ways, probably bigger is better in some cases, right? But in general, What God's principle is here is that when two or three are unified, are together, there is power in that unity. For those who are married, when there is unity in marriage, in your home, there is power. There is. There is power and authority that begins to take place in your home and with your children. How many of you know who are lived examples because I'm one of them where mom says no and dad says yes? Okay, this is this is disunity amongst I'm a facetious example a little bit, but you guys understand what I'm saying, right? They go to they go to mom first, and depends on your family on growing up, but she's like, hey mom, you know, can I have that lollipop? I'd be like, no? Dinner is like, you know, in five minutes, so absolutely not. And then the kids go, hmm. <laughs> Dad's home, I think, right? So then they run over to dad and they say, hey dad, can I have that lollipop? And you're just, and dad's like, in my case, this would be me. Sure, why not? Of course you can have that, right? And they understand there's this disunity there. But... If Liz and I came to an agreement and we were unified in there are no treats, no snacks, nothing is able to be eaten within 30 minutes before dinner, when they came, no matter where they went, they would begin to understand this, there is power in this unity, like, I can't, I, can't, I can't go this way or that way and try to get a different answer. There's power in that unity. That's like a parenting lesson all in and of itself, right? That's extra. That's the parenting class. We'll do that later, right? But there is this, this unity that comes when spouses are unified, when friends are unified. When a a child is unified with their parents, there's freedom to discuss and to be open and to share. And when they share, you come together and you begin to have unity amongst each other. And what the Bible says, there is power in that. When we come together and unify, there's actually power in that. Not in the numbers, but in unity. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So what this is saying is when people are not in unity, there is no power. There is no power when people are not in unity. And how do I know that? Because here's where we're going to get into the binding and loosening scripture we've been talking about. Matthew 18, now verse 18. It says, assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In heaven. There's a unifying power that when we begin to bind things and loose things, all of heaven, all of heaven's forces, all of heaven's power, the authority of the believer, the power that's backing this authority that we have, begins to move as we are in agreement with him, with his word, with what he says. There has to be unity in it. If you try to take authority over something in a, in a non-biblical way or, or authority over a situation that you wanted to resolve in a non-biblical way, there's no authority there because you're going against God. God cannot go against his word. He can't, he can't go against his word. So this unity in verse 18, I believe this is unity with God. When we bind something and when we lose something as a believer... We are becoming in unified with God and whatever we are loosening and and binding, which I'll talk about a list of some of those things, we are doing it with heaven's help, with heaven's help. No power on our own, but the powers and the unity first with God. And then verse 19 says this, again, so now he goes back to what he said earlier and Jesus says, okay, remember what we were talking about? Brother's not getting along. Okay, so you begin to take authority and bind and loose. You have unity with heaven, and heaven's angels are moving. But guess what? It can be even more powerful if this happens. Again, I say to you that if two, just two, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, He just talked about binding and loosening. So that means, yes, we can partner with heaven, we can bind and loose, but if two of you come together and we can be in agreement, we can be in unity with this concerning anything they ask, it will what? Be done. By who? Our Father who is in heaven. Verse 20 says, for if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And when I read that, it just hit me. It said, wait a second. So I have this believer's authority, and I partner with heaven every time I bind and loose something myself. I have this unity with God. But wait a second. This verse is also telling me that I can have, when I have unity with God, each other when I have unity with just one other person it's like an exponential power that comes upon the situation and when we are hand in hand unified in binding and loosening something guess what begins to happen God does it but because of his goodness and faithfulness and his power when we are in agreement on something on this earth it's like whoa wait a second are you kidding me so for me, as a church, what I want us to understand is that the relationships and unity that we have amongst our fellow believers, our church family, are not just good because they're good to have relationships, there is power in those friendships. There is power in that unity. So when Lynn gets up and calls Kim on the phone and they say, hey, you know what, I'm, something's going on and I need you to pray with me, let's be in agreement together to bind and loose this situation that we have, all of heaven is moving on behalf of them. It's like, wow, this is fantastic. <laughs> We don't have to do this life alone. We don't have to go about all of this stuff alone. Whether you're a teenager, you can go to your parents. As friends, you can go to your friends. Spouses can come together. It's an amazing thing that we can have unity with one another. So this believer's authority, Sid, if you want to come back up, we're going to close here in a minute. The believer's authority is unity with another believer. It will be done by God the Father. The believer's authority, when in unity... With one another, as long as it aligns with the Word of God, right? All the stuff we talk about, why, why it doesn't happen sometimes, ...what we want it to happen, and take all that into context. It will be done by God the Father. That is what that scripture says. And he emphasizes this is Jesus talking, right? It emphasizes first unity, reconciliation, working together with someone else to resolve differences. And when those differences resolve, when spouses resolve their differences and they stand in unity together and they bind and they lose something, all of heaven is moving on their behalf. So whatever we bind and whatever we lose, what does this actually look like? The context of this scripture, binding means you're tying something up. Something that is run amuck in your life. Something that is out of control in your life. We begin to bind it up. And how many of you know sometimes it's hard to tie something up yourself, right? Everybody ever wrap a Christmas present, yeah? And you're trying to wrap it and you're doing the, what's it called? The curling ribbon, okay? I am the curling ribbon finger holder, right? You know how you do the tie and you need that one person? to hold that middle because it's like you can't do it on your own or the tie gets off or gets all messed up. You need someone else to be with you to put your finger in that one spot so you can tie that present together. So the same thing goes with binding and loosening on your own. We have the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit, but there's more power when we're doing it with someone. There's more power when we're doing it together. This binding up, you're no longer allowing it to have control over a situation, over your life. And you say, you go to someone, I encourage you to go to someone, I am having struggles with this situation and I need your help binding this situation in my life. And you stand in the believer's authority together. And you pray together and you say, no more in Jesus' name, this situation is bound and then loosing, loosing to me means, man, it's like letting something free that has been tied up, letting something go. It means that something that was that needs to be released is released. I remember Brother Hagen. I read it was in one of his books. He had said that. He was praying about finances and he was praying about finance and he was praying about, I have a need here, I have a need here, I have a need here, Lord help me, Lord help me, Lord help me. And the Lord said, all you have to do is loose the finances and then stop worrying about them and let me move. And it's that same situation of there's something that we have, because of our lack of faith or whatever it might be, is tied up and we have to loose it. But when we do that together, there's power in doing it together. So bow your heads with me this morning. There are certain things that need bound. There are certain things that need loosed. I don't have a long list this morning. I'm going to let the Lord lead this list. But if you're here this morning and one of these words that I call out resonates with you, I want you to be in agreement with me, in unity with me, that this thing that needs bound up will be bound up, and the thing that needs loosed will be loosed today, not tomorrow, not in the future, not sometime, maybe it might happen at work, but today, today, we may not see every evidence of it today, but it is going to be done by our Father who is in heaven in the spiritual realm. It is done in Jesus' name. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you in unity as believers. And, Father, this morning we bind up Satan and all his cohorts. We bind him in unity, the power of heaven with us, Father. We bind Satan up. No more can he run loose in our families, in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, in our jobs. We bind him now in the name of Jesus. We bind offense, and we say no longer will offense control my life. We bind that spirit of offense up in Jesus' name. And Father, we bind up disunity And we say, no longer will I let disunity in my life, in Jesus' name. And we bind up the spirit of fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus. In unity, we tie them up physically. I just see in the spiritual realm, fear and anxiety being just bound up like a like a rope going around and around and around and all of us together collectively we're just passing this rope around. It's getting tighter and tighter around these things so they no longer have control in our lives in Jesus name. Father, I say to sickness, you are bound in Jesus name. You no longer have any place In our physical bodies, in Jesus' name. Father, today, this morning, we lose unity. We say unity is the norm, unity is what happens in this church and in this church family. Father, we lose peace. For those who are in desperate need for peace this morning, we loose the spirit of peace to reign on this church, on this congregation, on these people. Father, we loose the finances needed for every person in here. We loose it. We, Lord, Father, whatever it is that is stopping them or holding them back, we loose it now in Jesus' name. Let nothing stop their ability, Father God, that as you provide for them to be able to pay the bills. That they have. Father, we lose freedom from condemnation this morning. Freedom from condemnation. We bind up the condemnation. We lose the freedom on the other side in Jesus' name. And Father, we lose healing across this entire place healing of our bodies, of our hearts, of our minds, of thought patterns that we had that we just don't want to go down those roads anymore. We loose that healing this morning in Jesus' name. So we declare, Satan, in the name of Jesus, we bind you. In unity, together, we bind you. For it is written in God's word that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Because, Satan, you are bound, you and all your demonic forces may no longer come against us. You cannot come against our marriages, our kids, our families, our jobs, our businesses, our our finances, our properties in the name of Jesus. Satan, you are bound from us and our families, for we are covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And Satan, you may no longer kill, steal, destroy any of our property in Jesus' name. And Satan, I remind you this morning that you are defeated and we are victorious. And so, God, we just give you all the goodness. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We give you all the honor, all the praise. We glorify you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are moving. Heaven is moving on our behalf. Right now, as I pray, Lord, I thank you that heaven is moving. That things that need bound are being bound. Things that need loosed are being loosed. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for it. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we close here this morning, we're going to have a couple uh, prayer teams up here. If there's something you want specifically to talk to somebody about and to pray with and be in unity over what we just talked about. There's power in the unity. There's power when two or more come together. So let me just give this benediction for you as we go. I want to read it out of Deuteronomy again. I did it last week, but I just felt, felt so good to read it. I want to read it again. Deuteronomy 28. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Just receive this this morning. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Father, we thank you, Lord, we love you, and we praise you in your precious name. Amen? Amen. Your eyes are dismissed. There'll be some prayer people up here. And if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. I'll be up here. You can come talk with me.